0: You're listening to The Beauty Brain Show, where real scientists answer your beauty questions. And now, here's Randy and Perry.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the showgram. Actually, welcome to episode 163 of The Beauty Brain Showgram. Uh, I'm Randy Schuler, and today we're going to talk about Bee Venom as an anti aging ingredient.
0: Hey, yeah, we'll,
1: uh, we'll explain. Uh, hey, hmm? hey, yes? <laughs> hey,
0: there's two people on the show. no no
1: I was gonna introduce you. I'm oh, doing the uh, tease first because okay, I figure gotcha. that you know, if we don't capture their attention right away with a good tease, we lose some percentage of the audience.
0: Uh, okay, okay, go ahead. What are we teasing here?
1: Uh, we're teasing bee venom as an anti aging ingredient. We'll explain how dandruff shampoo might be good for your face and we'll parse out the puzzling paradox of dry conditioner. But first, and here's where you come in, say hello to my fellow podcaster, Perry Romanowski.
0: Hey, Randy, it's good to be mentioned.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, if you'd come to the rehearsals, we wouldn't have this problem.
0: I guess that's true. I'm I'm still uh, delirious from all the eclipse activity yesterday.
1: Uh, And it's references like that that date the show. the content is supposed to be evergreen we can't talk about things in the news
0: well we could talk about some things in the news right i mean we do do a whole science news <laughs> segment
1: now yeah, fair fair enough uh speaking of which or do you want to get right to that
0: yeah um we have seen a couple of interesting stories in the news uh that uh, magazine that you're always quoted in had a story uh you well, <laughs> said Allure was not going to say anything about anti-aging anymore?
1: Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So they uh, they came out with an editorial announcement this week that said they will no longer be using the word, quote, anti-aging. Um, and here's just a quick excerpt from the article. They said, um, it was actually starting with this issue, this month's issue. We're making a resolution to stop using the term anti-aging. Whether we know it or not, we're subtly reinforcing the message that aging is a condition that we need to battle, think, anti-anxiety medication, antivirus software, antifungal spray. So it shouldn't be anti-aging. Now, I think think it's an interesting sentiment. I get where they're coming from because there is something a little pejorative about the term and a little bit unrealistic, too, because you you can't stop aging. So I, I see where they're coming from. But, you know, the term is so ingrained in our culture, both on the consumer side and on the marketing side. I think it's going to be a real challenge to, you know, the, develop some kind of alternative language that really sticks with people. I mean, they're going to have to say something to describe what right. their products do or what the consumer need is. And I think, right. you know, when when they stop saying anti-aging and start talking about, you know, whatever they're going to say instead, when they see their web traffic start to drop off because they're not, <laughs> they're not ranking well in anti-aging related searches... You know, I wonder if they'll reconsider this, so
0: yeah, yeah, yeah probably it, it's interesting to say that like anti aging is bad because there are there are like anti aging uh, associations or or research groups, hmm. and that's in the in the name, but these groups some of these groups I've read a few books on the subject it's, it's an area of interest for me, but some of these groups want to look at aging as a disease right and you know if you look at aging as a disease then you would you would say anti-aging right. we would say right. like anti-cancer or anti-malaria sure. right and so if 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 you think if you're thinking of aging as not a disease anymore then i guess i could see you you, you don't want to say anti-aging maybe you'd say something else
1: well i don't know where you draw that line cuz unlike you know let's say cancer or you know that can be cured you can't stop aging i mean you can mitigate its effects but aging mitigation process sounds a little bit clunky so i'm not sure that's a good alternate name i don't know what well,
0: well um i'm not sure that you can't stop the process because if you break it down to like what is the causes of aging if you could reverse those things then you essentially have right
1: well okay that's a pretty big hypothetical
0: no no for example They've looked at one of the things that causes aging is the shortening of the t- teleminers or telomers. Hmm.
1: Well, well you, give me,
0: you give me all these hard words. <laughs> you, you brought that out um, yourself. So, so, so one of the, the anti-aging strategies is to, you know, re-lengthen those in every cell. And right. if you could theoretically do that, you could stop aging. You know, um, hydras, you know, hydra, the animal that lives in the ocean, they actually don't age at all. They could live thousands of years because they don't have the mechanisms that cause cellular
1: aging. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what to do with that. Okay. So can we just sort of circle back and say it'll be interesting to see what happens with Allure? Maybe other beauty magazines will follow suit. Maybe not. Only time will tell.
0: Only time will tell, and only time will tell how many more articles you get quoted in in Allure. It's like you're moonlighting for them. Or something. Uh, I,
1: well, actually, I wasn't quoted in this article. I am one of Allure's beauty experts, by the way. But uh, you should talk, Mr. Big Shot, because I saw, I, I think for the first time, you were quoted on NPR this week.
0: Ah, NPR, yes. Actually, not on the, on the radio, but uh, in one of their news stories. Yeah, right. I, they, they, did, they did call me asking me a question, which it's a strange question cuz it was the second media outlet that asked about it but um they wanted to know whether you sh- wh- wh- well why the guidelines were saying that you shouldn't condition your hair um in the event of being exposed to nuclear radiation or or nuclear blasts or something
1: and whose guidelines are these
0: uh some government uh nuclear preparedness guy you know it's in the article okay. but <laughs> something but something
1: something legit some legit yes. source said don't do this
0: e- exactly and so the reporter was mildly curious like why wouldn't you condition your hair but sure. shampooing is okay yeah and and you know there's there isn't any study on this but you know it it does make sense like if there are nuclear or radioactive particles in the air mm-hmm. if you condition your hair you're putting essentially when you condition your hair you put some thing on your hair some wax on your hair or right. some some sticky substance that is going to better absorb dirt and dust than if you didn't mm. put that on your hair right okay and so that's going to absor- be sort of a sponge for radiation in the air and so you'll get more exposure mm. that was the basic premise there
1: so, <laughs> No, I mean, it's interesting, and I guess, you know, uh, if it's just sort of a, a little extra dust on your hair under normal circumstances, it's no big deal. It's well worth it to get the benefits of conditioning your hair, but when it's radioactive dust that is sticking to your hair, that, that's, that's, a, that's a whole different problem.
0: Exactly. So stay away from conditioners. Don't use those conditioning shampoos as shampoos, you know?
1: Right. No, yeah, um, so this applies to two-in-ones as well, I would assume.
0: Exactly. Or even the co-washing method.
1: <laughs> oh, don't co-wash. Oh, yeah, that's good. Don't co-wash yeah. your hair.
0: Oh, and I think it also applied, uh, like, uh, powdered shampoos, right? So I suppose those you can pull out. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Remember, that... <laughs> remember when we, remember we worked on that powdered shampoo when we were at Alberto Culver?
1: If, uh, if you Hold that thought, because we're going to talk oh, sure. <laughs> about dry shampoos and conditioners a little later in the show. Why don't we move on to our audio question of the week?
0: Oh, yeah. All right. Let's start. Here we uh, go. This comes the- from Monica, right?
1: Here we go. Hello, beauty brains. I'm Monica and I'm from Poland. I recently bought this Korean bee venom essence. I didn't really believe it would work, but uh, my acne spots start just to disappear after the first use and continue to disappearing while I use it. So my question is, Is this really the bee venom that does this magic for me or are there other active ingredients that actually uh, remove these spots? Thanks. Thanks for that question, Monica. Uh, It gives me the perfect excuse to remind our listeners to go back to episode uh, 105 and listen to the story about how Perry got stung in the eye by a bee. (laughs) Remember that? I they remember that. I, I mean, if nothing else, just go to our webpage and check out the picture of his face. It's horrific. I'm not kidding.
0: But uh, I, I would like to point out that the, there are no wrinkles in the spot where the sting <laughs> <happens>. <laughs> Uh
1: But uh, I'll, I'll try and put my personal revulsion aside on this, and we'll try and figure out now why this product with bee venom uh, seemed to work for Monica.
0: Yeah, well... We actually found a study in the Journal of Integrative Medicine titled Effects of Cosmetics Containing Purified Honeybee Venom on Acne Vulgaris. The research did testing in the lab and found that bee venom can kill acne, uh, p. acnes, uh, which is the bacteria that is contributing to causing zits. Now then they did a study on real people and found that a significant decrease in inflammatory, uh, inflammatory? <laughs> In inflammatory and non inflammatory acne lesions, which were found. So the p value was only 0. 0.027, which is not very statistically sound, but uh, at least there's a reasonable chance that this might work for uh, reducing acne.
1: Yeah, I, I was surprised. I didn't realize there was any data that uh, B Venom was effective in that regard, but apparently there is some. You know, also, the, the product she asked about uh, was this Benton. Snail bee high-content essence.
0: <laughs> Boy, you could see the marketing <laughs> meetings for that. That's, that's a mouthful. And <laughs> What's I'll, the hot ingredient? What's the I'll, hot ingredient?
1: <laughs> I'll, put the, uh, I'll put the ingredients in the show notes, but I did notice it contains azelaic acid and willow bark extract, which is a, a natural source of salicylic acid. Now, both azelaic and sal acids are drugs that are proven to help acne, so if there's enough in there and the formula's at the right pH, they could also be responsible for the improvement she's seeing. Um, so it's, it's hard to say for sure. But, her, you know, her question, she didn't specifically ask this, but her question actually raised a larger question in my mind, and that's about the trend of using bee venom in beauty products, specifically anti-aging products. Oh, wait, we can't say anti-aging. Wait, we don't say that anymore? <laughs> can't say that anymore. But, <laughs> but no, I mean, bee venom is used in a lot of these products. So what's the deal? Is bee venom a good skincare ingredient?
0: Well, as always, when you're looking at the functionality of cosmetic ingredients, uh we like to answer those three Kligman questions. Remember those are the questions uh the The first is is there some theoretical uh possibility that the ingredient will work or yep. some uh number two is uh can it penetrate um and yeah. get where it has to go exactly and the third is is there any uh human trials that demonstrate that it
1: works exactly so So let's take uh, bee venom through those three questions. Um, I'll take the first one. I'm going to start with penetration. So does bee venom penetrate into the skin? And in fact, it does. When you get stung by a bee, there's no... (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's like a little injection, right? So, um, But I I couldn't find any clear evidence that it penetrates when applied topically. Now, there are studies on bee venom as a wound healing agent, but of course, open wounds are not the same as healthy intact skin, so that doesn't prove penetration. Um, We can infer that it penetrates based on some of the efficacy studies that we'll discuss in a moment. But uh, again, this is not a clear-cut yes that it penetrates skin.
0: Right. This is why bees sting you and they don't just rub their butts (laughs) on you. (laughs)
1: Yikes.
0: (laughs) All right. Is there a mechanism to describe how the bee venom could theoretically reduce wrinkles or improve the appearance of skin in any way? So, again, this is... But the data is murky at best. Bee venom does have some anti-inflammatory and analgesic properties, and it's been used for conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, and, you know, even cancer. Mm-hmm. But this has little to do with the skin. You know, apparently it has some antimicrobial properties, which could make it beneficial for certain skin conditions. Like acne.
1: That's probably why it's effective against acne.
0: And we did find a study done in vitro showing that it can decrease the formation of a type 2 collagen which is how you know it treats arthritis Melatin is the majority chemical found in bee venom and is said to increase or boost collagen production but whatever that means you know we couldn't find anything explaining how that could do that or you know, how it would reduce their degradation, which is what you'd expect in an anti-wrinkle product.
1: Right, right. So, so it doesn't, there, there's not much evidence that it penetrates when you rub it on your skin, and there's, there's no clear-cut mechanism on how it could help impact wrinkles or other signs of aging. So what about the third and, and really the most important question, which is, is there evidence that bee venom reduces wrinkles when applied to real people? Um, there's some evidence, but I wouldn't necessarily call it very good. Um, I, I, I kind of thought we had hit the jackpot because I found this study entitled The Beneficial Effects of Honeybee Venom Serum on Facial Wrinkles in Humans. I mean, wow. how, how much more on point could you ask for, right?
0: Uh, exactly.
1: <laughs> but uh, it's, not, it's not quite as good as it sounds, was it?
0: No, well, well, here's what they did. You know, first they got some bee venom, which is not as easy as it sounds, you know, trying to milk bees. <laughs> like getting you know, really tiny queezers. Uh Well, then the paper described the process this way. The bee venom collector was placed on the hive, and the bees were given en- enough electric shocks to cause them to sting a glass plate, from which dried bee venom was later scraped off. Mm. The collected venom was diluted in cold, sterile water and then centrifuged at 10,000 G for five minutes at 4C purified bee venom was then freeze-dried and refrigerated at 4C for later use. Hmm. Now, they took the bee venom and formulated it into a serum at point zero zero six percent And there was really no discussion of what else was in that serum, so we don't really know. And, you know, that's kind of important, well, what else would be in there, right?
1: <laughs> well, that's only one of the problems with this study, which we'll, we'll get to in a minute. But uh, let me just go through the rest of their procedure. So... They recruited 22 women uh, between the ages of 30 and 49. So t- that's not very many, by the way. A study of 22 no. people is pretty small. They asked them to apply this uh, bee venom serum to their face twice daily for 12 weeks. And the researchers did a clinical evaluation of their face. They, did, they you know, lo- evaluated their wrinkles before the test and then at 4, 8, and 12 weeks. And, and here's okay. what they found. And it's always difficult to give numbers on the podcast, but I'll try and make it brief. So they, they did um, this a, uh, average visual grade of all the patients, and they showed that that did improve significantly with the B venom treatment. They showed a, about a 6% improvement in the visual grade uh, at 8 weeks and about a 12% improvement at 12 weeks. And the stats look pretty good on it, but I just don't know what that means. Like, a, a, What is a 6% improvement in the average, average visual grade of your face?
0: Actually, like, what I what I find really funny is how specific that number is, six point six four percent like. Yeah, what is a point oh four percent change? Like, exactly. or so, even a six percent, like so you said. I,
1: I think they're playing with the numbers a little bit there, but that but that was one piece of of their evaluation. Then they directly measured wrinkles using a couple of different techniques, and one was a total wrinkle count, and the results showed that the total wrinkles went from about a hundred and four initially down to about. 100 wrinkles after 12 weeks so so basically they (laughs) you look at your face you you say you count your face you go you have 104 wrinkles on your face right now then you use B venom serum for 12 weeks we count the wrinkles again and you only have 104 wrinkles now so that was the effect and by by the way the stats on this were plus or minus 32 (laughs) so i I can't that, that can't even be statistically significant so I don't know. This made no sense to me. And then they, they did um, had, had some similarly confusing results for wrinkle depth and total wrinkle area.
0: Ah. Well, even if these numbers showed a conclusive reduction in wrinkles, the data would still be suspect because the study was only, you know, was done without any proper control. I mean, the product is just tested against nothing. So we, we don't know if some other factor was causing the change or if other ingredients and serum moisturized the skin and therefore provided some sort of reduction in wrinkles. There's just no way to know from this specific study.
1: Yeah, again, they, so they, they said, you know, just use this product all over your face and we're going to measure before and after. And that product happened to have some B venom in it. But it could have also had other moisturizing agents. They didn't disclose in the paper, at least not that I could find, what else was in the product. And just about anything that's going to moisturize your skin can help plump up wrinkles a little bit if you use it religiously for three months. It's not surprising you would see some, you know, minor benefit. So, I I don't know. I I don't think this study really proved much of anything. Now, it seems like, so I guess, what's the bottom line for Monica? There there seems to be a chance that bee venom may be helpful in treating acne, because there's a mechanism there, and there is some data. Um, But, you know, not so much for general anti-aging. Um, right. but, but here's the bigger issue. Even if it does work on acne, there was no data showing how it compares to conventional treatments like a sal acid or a benzoyl peroxide or any other anti-acne uh, product. So you're probably spending more for a bee venom product. Is it working better than these other products or does it have less side effects for you? Like, why, why would you bother using this when there are other products that are proven to work?
0: It's an excellent question. I mean, this study reminds me of just the kind of studies you see that are are done to support advertising.
1: Yeah. They
0: they have the cachet of being scientific and controls and clinicals, but if you really look into it, they're not really proven much at all, except what the marketers want to say.
1: Yeah, I I definitely got that sense. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Paige DeGarmo, our intern, uh, who provided much of the research we used uh, in answering the question today. Ah,
0: Well, thank you so much, Paige.
1: All right. Okay, let's move on to our second question. This one comes to us from Vanessa. Uh, she says, I just saw a video of someone using Nizoral dandruff shampoo as a face mask or facial cleanser for clearing tiny bumps on her face. Would this really work? Well, thank you, Vanessa. You know, this practice sounded like one of those urban myths to me, Uh, so I was really ready to call BS on this one, until we did a little digging.
0: Yeah, first, uh, a little little bit of background of Nizoral. Nizoral? How did you say it?
1: Nizoral? I thought it was Nizoral. Maybe it's Nizoral. I'm not sure on that one.
0: Okay. Maybe the good people at Nizoral (laughs) will, will write in and tell us... This is the problem when you're picking a name for your brand and oh, nobody can pronounce it. don't
1: start that <laughs> again.
0: So, anyway, the the active ingredient in the formula that stops dandruff is an antifungal agent called ketoconazole.
1: <laughs> you <laughs> know, I'm con- uh, I'm considering hiring a chemist for the pro- podcast to help pronounce these names. Are you trying to yeah, say ketoconazole? Is that where you're going with this?
0: Got it. Called, uh... <laughs> Ketaconazole, <laughs> oh, I just bit my i just bit my tongue. <laughs> anyway, God. it it kills the fungus that causes dandruff. Woo-hoo! Uh, that's unlike most other dandruff shampoos, by the way. Like Head and Shoulders, they use zinc pyrithione. Um, so, did yeah, Nizoral I- get a uh, NDA?
1: You know, I'm not sure, because that's, uh, ketaconazole is not a, a, a monographed ingredient, so they might have done a new drug application to get approval for that. I'm not sure. That's... Yeah. Good question for another uh, show.
0: You, you know what though? It's I think it's ketoconazole. Keto as like a ketone?
1: Ooh, that could be. So, hmm, well
0: done. So, there there you are, <laughs> Mr. Chemist.
1: take <Think>, that. hat. <laughs> uh, at least I bluffed better than you did on it.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed.
1: All right. So, okay. So that's that's the story on on Nizaral, but uh, let's take a second to talk about face bumps. Like what causes these things?
0: Sure. Of course, there is acne, but that condition is caused by bacteria, you know, among a few other things. And it's not really related to fungus.
1: Yeah. So if, if you have uh, acne bumps, this dandruff shampoo is not going to help. No. Um, now, there's a condition called milia, which is characterized by small white bumps. Now, these are typically keratin-filled cysts. They're harmless, kind of annoying. Um, no. And it's a condition that's very common in infants, although adults can get it. It's believed to be caused by the oil-producing glands in your skin not being fully developed. But again, this has nothing to do with fungus, so dandruff shampoo would not help you if that's the cause of your face bumps.
0: And, and I, then there's, uh, there's razor bumps, um, but those are also caused by ingrown hair. They're, they're not caused by fungi. However, there is a condition called uh, P- P- pityrosporum folliculitis, <laughs> Which is caused by yeast. uh, Uh, I believe
1: believe it's pronounced, pity the forum you like to eat us. I think that's how you say
0: it. That's how you remember it anyway. (laughs) So this is caused by a yeast that can colonize hair follicles and causes itchy, acne-like bumps.
1: Yeah, now this condition is not typically found on your face. It's most commonly found in what is called the the cape distribution. I had not heard this term before, but uh, that refers to your upper chest and back, or I guess upper back, which is if you were wearing a cape, that's where it would contact your skin. Ah. So it makes sense. But, uh, but yeah, so these, th- this condition causes these little sort of pinhead-sized bumps in that area. It can occur on your face. Everyone has this yeast on their body, but in some cases it just starts to grow like crazy. And they say that contributing factors include applying greasy ingredients like coconut oil um, and wearing tight clothing that doesn't allow your skin to breathe. By the way, I think that's why all the best-dressed superheroes only wear capes made from cotton. Doesn't doesn't cause <laughs> so much.
0: Uh, of course. <laughs> well, the best superheroes don't wear capes. Well, that's, that's a good point. Uh, there you go. Daredevil Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> so why are, we t- uh, why are we taking so much time talking about superheroes? I, I don't know, because we're to- totally nerds. So why are we spending so much time talking about this condition? Because this particular kind of yeast can be killed by ketocon- <laughs> ketoconazole. <laughs> and that brings us back to Nizoral. According to the American Osteopathic College of Dermatology, washing your face with Nizoral weekly can get rid of face bumps. The best practice is to apply it to your face and leave it on for about 10 minutes before rinsing off. However, you should be aware that the treatment of the ketoconazole doesn't always work.
1: Yeah, so the bottom line here is su- surprisingly to us that if your face bumps are caused by this yeast, Pliny thesaurus or whatever it's called, <laughs> uh, if that's the cause, then washing your face with a dandruff shampoo containing ketoconazole might actually help. But if some other condition is the cause of your face bumps, then you're totally wasting your time, in which case you should probably consult your dermatologist.
0: Yeah, that's not a bad. Uh... That's not bad advice no matter, you yeah. know, what, what kind of condition yeah. you have there.
1: True that. All right, Perry, before we get to the last question, let's do a couple of quick iTunes reviews. You know, we like to give our um, listeners who take their precious time to rate us on iTunes, give them a quick shout out because this is so important to not only our personal self-esteem, but also <laughs> in helping uh, new listeners find the show because we rank high in, in iTunes and in other podcasts. Uh,
0: and, the, and the reviews help that. All right. Indeed. I'll take the first one. Uh, great podcast says, fake noise from United States. <laughs> Perry and Randy help make me feel like an informed consumer who can make more informed choices. This podcast has quickly become one of my favorites, joining the ranks of Science Versus, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe and This American Life. I love all of those shows. Sure, and, we're in good,
1: good company yeah, there, yeah.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for that.
1: Uh, Rowida from South Africa says, how do I profess my love for thee? Sexy, (laughs) nerdy scientists with an unbiased view on beauty products. Compulsory listening for any consumer. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's fabulous. Paul from France says, Goodbye, Marketing BS. Thank you, Beauty Brains, for providing an inside view on how marketing is constantly trying to screw you. (laughs) And thank you for enlightening everyone on how cosmetic products really
1: work. Uh, One more. Uh, Alice from... Again, South Africa says, these two are my heroes. I'm a beauty Aww. writer and, and I can't, t- not superhero, Just we're just regular <laughs> heroes. Uh, I'm a beauty writer and I can't tell you how many times the beauty brains have saved me from buying into and endorsing products on false premises. Just one request, Randy, please be nicer to Perry.
0: Ah, <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah,
1: that ain't going to happen. Yeah, All, right, so <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right,
1: Perry, hasn't let's... It has happened for 30 years. It's, <laughs> it's not going <laughs> to start now. All right, uh, let's get to our third and final question uh, that comes to us from Melissa Mary in our forum. And she asks, have you seen some of the dry conditioner formulas lately? They seem to be sold in specialty beauty stores. I'm not sure if they're in drugstores yet. Are they essentially just uh, shine sprays, and would they work well with dry shampoo? Now you know dry shampoos, which Perry kind of mentioned at the top of the show, um, they've, they've been popular for a number of years now, and we worked on some of the very early dry shampoos. In fact, we worked on the the first successful mass market dry shampoo, which was Tresemme, um, I, uh, the Tresemme Fresh Start. Um, the I think the up until then the 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 main product in salons was the the Batiste spray. Was I think is that am remember, I remembering right. the brand name correctly? And yes, we yes. saw how well that was doing, and formulated our version of that and and th- those products have really taken off since then
0: of course the the products were not really new since there was that brand Psst,
1: true yeah, Ties, yeah good, good, good point i'd forgotten about Psst.
0: yeah but in the beauty industry like things go out of style they come back in style right. and now dry shampoos are kind of back in style yep so that's the dry shampoos but it, we weren't familiar with dry conditioners, at least oh, until now. I had not heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Melissa Mary provided a link to a couple of example products. One is from Amica, and it's an alcohol-based spray with some silicone and cationic-type conditioning agents.
1: Mm-hmm. The other one she linked to was Dry Bar's Detox Dry Conditioner. Uh, this one I couldn't figure out. According to the website, um, it's, it's like a very light aerosol spray, and they actually have a video where they show it um, you spray it right on dry hair. But the ingredient list for the product, it, it must be wrong because it looks exactly like a conventional rinse-out conditioner. You know, it's got fatty alcohols and silicones and quads, um, or it could even be a like a no-poo spray, uh, although huh. that, that sounds like some sort of aerosol laxative, so that's probably not a good <laughs> term. But anyway, so it, it could either be a, a no-poo or a regular rinse-out conditioner, but that kind of product couldn't be sprayed the way they showed it in the video. So I'm guessing that ingredient list must be wrong.
0: Yeah. Now, we can tell you, though, that these products appear to be more conditioning than a shine spray, mm. because shine sprays are pretty much just pure silicones. It, typically, cyclomethicone is used because it evaporates, and then that an ingredient is paired with something like dimethicone, which uh, can give you a more lasting, longer-lasting shine.
1: Right. So, it, 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 again, it's hard to say if the ingredient list is incorrect, but it looks like these are, would be a bit more conditioning than, than just a shine spray. Um, yeah but i I just don't get the point of these products so I, I don't I don't see how this would work because I guess where you conditioned no pun intended to use a shampoo and conditioner so you would use the dry shampoo and then the dry conditioner I, I guess right
0: so unless there was a nuclear accident well,
1: <laughs> good point um but but think about that because dry shampoos leave a powder in your hair right that's how they work and you can brush some of it out, but it leaves, right. right, the powdered residue absorbs absorbs some of the oil and dirt, theoretically. So then on top of that, you're going to apply a leave-in spray that's going to then, like, just coat that dried powder with a conditioning agent. I mean, that doesn't really make sense. Or do you use the dry conditioner instead of a dry shampoo, in which case you're just applying them to dirty hair, which is just going to make it feel more weighed down?
0: I, you know, I, and, and looking at these products... I, I don't see how they're any different than like a leave-in conditioner, right?
1: Right. So it seems to me it's just delivering a conditioner in a new form that doesn't really have any additional benefit. Uh, and it the and the use case doesn't completely make sense to me because it looks like it's designed to apply to dry hair. I mean, I know we're not the target audience, so I'm sure, sure there are some niche uses for a product like this. I guess a quick right. conditioning touch-up, but it doesn't seem like it would pair well with a dry conditioner, and it doesn't seem like it would replace... You know your your regular conditioner so that's right. that's our opinion based on looking at an incorrect ingredient list so how, i don't know how far but, we can go with this
0: but based on those ingredient lists yes these things have conditioning ingredients in them. these are what you would use in a conditioner.
1: yeah, yeah fair enough okay. okay i i hope that helps <laughs> all
0: right well uh, that looks like uh, all the questions we have time for huh
1: yes we're done for today thank goodness
0: well so thank you for listening, and if you have any questions, feel free to send it along to us uh, at thebeautybrain@gmail.com.
1: Yeah, we, um, especially if you can record it on your smartphone and send us an audio question, we we love those. But obviously, we take questions that are in print as well.
0: Exactly, or you can communicate through our forum at beautybrains.com/bbforum. Yep, um, and yeah, that's free to free to join and free to participate.
1: For now. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> no, no all right very good anything else we...
0: uh no i think we talked the hell out of this show huh?
1: all right excellent well thanks everybody and uh, until next time remember be brainy about your bee venom